You are listening to episode seven of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Trent Huey, one of the best doubles players in the world. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. I'm really honored and excited to bring you another amazing interview, this time with a top doubles player in the world. Uh, But first off, I just want to really thank all of you guys for your really kind and helpful reviews, feedback, and messages about the Tennis Files podcast. I want to give a shout out to Adam, Michael, and Carl for their really um, fantastic iTunes reviews. Um, I really appreciate that. And I also want to give another shout out to Friendlord from Reddit for his really nice and motivating uh, message to me. He he said that the interview with Tomas in episode six changed his coaching philosophy. He actually said it transformed it. So I really appreciate that. Uh, It's comments like those. I want to make me uh, keep going and keep pushing to bring the best tennis content that I can to all of you guys. Uh, It brings me a lot of joy to see you guys be able to improve through the things that I'm learning and uh, yeah, tell you guys from what I've experienced. So I appreciate all your reviews and comments. And if you could go to tennisfiles.com slash iTunes and give me a rating and review on iTunes or any other um, app that you use to listen to podcasts, that's very much appreciated. So for today, I've got an interview with Tread Huey. He actually moved up to number 30 in the world from number 36 last week by virtue of winning the Acapulco title this past weekend in Mexico with partner Max Murney. And, you know, I'd like to say that's just good karma from coming onto the Tennis Files podcast, but that's probably more due to Tread and Max's talent and hard work and determination. So, and I'm really grateful to Tread for, you know, being really responsive when we messaged back and forth to try to get the interview scheduled and to make it happen. Uh, You know, he was very busy in the Delray Beach tournament last week, but he still made the time to to speak with me for a substantial amount of time. And when it finally happened, I kind of felt like Leo DiCaprio winning the Oscars last night. You know, I was really, really pumped that it finally happened um, to get such a great interview with a great guy like Trett, who's Uh, Just an elite player, so talented, and he gave a lot of awesome advice uh, to me and the audience. So I know you'll really enjoy this interview. And without further ado, here is Tret Huey. Hey everybody, I'm here with Tret Huey, who is one of the best doubles players in the world right now. He is ranked number 36 on the ATP World Tour in doubles. Uh, He's actually reached as high as 20 in the world in 2014, Uh, And he's had some amazing results already this year. 
At the 2016 Australian Open, Trent reached the quarterfinals of men's doubles and the semifinals of the mixed doubles tournament. Uh, he's a former University of Virginia standout. Uh, he was his top junior player in the Mid-Atlantic section, which is uh, how I met him through tournaments. Uh, he's from Alexandria, Virginia, and he's also uh, half Filipino like me, which is pretty cool. Trent, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Maribel. Uh, it's good to be here. And yeah, uh, it was fun going out playing you a few times when we were younger. Yeah, thanks, Trent. I mean, I, I really appreciate you being on. Like I said, uh, you know, it's it's just amazing uh, watching you grow up from the juniors when you were, you know, you're still crushing people at that point, but just to see you develop and uh, truly reach the elite levels of, of the sport is just uh, real amazing. Uh, and, you know, we're really all very proud of you. So uh, I just want to ask you a bit about the beginnings of your tennis career. So how did you get started playing tennis? Yeah, I think uh, I was a little different than most uh, kids playing tennis. Uh, I just played here and there when I was uh, seven or eight years old. My parents played, I guess, once or twice a week in our community, kind of. And uh, yeah, I just got into it that way and played a little in the summer until I was, uh, I guess, summer camp and stuff like that when I was 10, 11 and 12. And then just started playing some tournaments when I was 13, 14 and got, obviously got a little better there and played my first national tournament uh, when I was 14. So yeah, it was, it was a good introduction for me where it wasn't too much I mean, pressure or stress on me where it was always just fun. And uh, as I got better and better, as I got older, it got more and more serious. So that was a little easier for me, I guess, than some kids. Yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome, Trad. I mean, again, to see you do so well from a young age and, and go up and, and rocket up the, the charts in tennis. But what were some of your uh, like key moments in your junior career that, that really helped you, uh, you know, reach higher levels in, in your game? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the tournaments I played when I was uh, 15, 16, 17, uh, I, was, I got a lot better where I was, I don't know, top 50 or so in the country. And uh, yeah, it was fun playing those tournaments. But uh, I just, when I got a little better, I took it more serious. And um, my parents' goal was really for me to get a college scholarship. So for me to get better and do that, I spent more time practicing and uh, playing after school pretty much every day by the time I was. 15 or so and yeah it was good i something just clicked i got better and uh with the more time i put into it and I, I always enjoyed it so that made it easy for me so uh yeah i've loved playing the juniors and i still enjoy playing tennis now i mean have probably the best job i think i mean can't not really working but uh it's a pretty good job yeah for sure Trent. i mean we're all you know very happy that you can uh play a sport that you love and you know, make a living off of it. And as you said, that's such a key to help people improve because if you're passionate about what you're doing, then you're going to want to keep, you know, improving and be the best you can be. But Trey, what were some obstacles that you faced uh, in your junior career? Because I know it's not just like always moving up the charts without any, you know, adversity or anything. So what are what were some um, obstacles that you faced when you were younger? Yeah, I think I uh, played a lot of the uh, players who uh, were good in uh, mid Atlantic section who uh, were better me better than me when we were 14, 15, 16, 17. But yeah, uh, dealing with losing as a kid and the pressure, I don't know, not that it's there, but pressure from your parents or pressure from I don't know, outside forces like coaches and stuff like that's really tough for a teenager to deal with. But uh, yeah, I'd, looking back now, I mean, I don't know. 
Uh, I was really good dealing with it, but I it's I struggle with that for sure. But uh, it was something I got through, and I always enjoyed playing tennis and playing sports. So it uh, kept me not really didn't drive me away from the game that pressure, but kept me wanting to get better and better, which was which was good. That's awesome. So I guess would you say that you just um, you were able to focus on you know the task at hand and what you were doing and just kind of block out all the other extraneous pressure and stuff? Is that kind of the key to what helped you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was obviously even more so the last couple of years where playing at the highest level, uh, being able to focus on uh, what you're doing and uh, just the process of the tour and uh, the job and getting better every single day is, I mean, the biggest thing that you can focus on. And if you do that and it works out, I mean, you're doing a good job of doing what you should be doing. So. Yeah, I've been really lucky to, I don't know, do well in tennis and uh, played all the biggest tournaments in the world. Uh, so yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, Trey, I mean, you're having amazing results. And uh, one thing that I've always admired, uh, and everybody has and continues to admire in your game, is your your serve. You got a, a really huge lefty serve. And it's not just huge, but you also have a lot of variety in it. Uh, it seems like you have a great feel for the serve, the placement, and you have a lot of action on it. Um, your second serve is particularly tough, uh, in my view, um, to re- return. Uh, you know, from watching, obviously. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, what contributed to having such a great serve? Because I do know uh, and remember that your your dad told my dad once that you would he would send you out with with uh, buckets of balls to practice. But I mean, what in your view kind of helped you develop such a great serve? Yeah, I think uh, growing up, I played. Uh, a lot of baseball actually when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and uh, was a pitcher a bunch. But yeah, I think I always had a pretty good arm throwing wise and tennis serving. And uh, as a kid, I always thought it was really cool to serve really hard. Which I mean, I looked up <laughs> to Pete Sampras and all those guys. And uh, one of my closest friends and I, we still joke about how uh, when I was fourteen, fifteen, I served absolutely huge, but I wasn't really tall enough for him to go in but i thought it was really <laughs> cool that i could hit him really hard <laughs> yeah so, yeah it was, uh, i i think that helped where just my mindset of it was uh, i wanted to be like pete sampras and those guys who had the biggest serves in the world but uh yeah I've, I've been lucky enough where i have a lot of variety i've got a good kick serve good uh slice serve so yeah it's uh for me being uh, only 510 or so uh all the best players in the world that i'm playing are uh, usually a little taller than me, six two, six three, six four, if not taller. So yeah, it's I gotta mix it up and keep them guessing and move it around the box. I'm not gonna always beat them with with pace. So yeah, it's been good for me to have something like that, and uh, obviously helps for me being left-handed a little bit of, uh, different than uh, some of the right-handers. And yeah, I'm fortunate that that's helped me a lot. So yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting too um, to note that you you played a lot of baseball growing up, and I guess you know doing all the constant throwing and things like that. You really got a natural feel for for the motion because sometimes the uh, the serve doesn't feel very natural for people to go from I guess the lower to upper uh, progression, I guess. But um, for you, you know, it, it just seems so natural and fluid and nice, and that's that's really fantastic. Um, I'm just curious: was your serve motion always like pretty quick? Because you know, you hit it pretty quickly from when you toss. Yeah, um, yeah. I've always been told that my motion's really quick, but I don't, I don't know if that's something that's always been like that. But it's been like that, I guess, the last ten years or so. 
I don't really remember how I started doing that, but yeah, it's always been kind of a quick toss and hit it as the ball's still going up or, and yeah, I think it helps me kind of with the disguise and just the quick motion is a little tougher. I feel like returning, uh, when I'm returning against guys that do the same similar kind of thing like that. So yeah, it's a little different, but I don't know. Watching Goran Ivanisevic when I was younger, I think I would imitate him and, uh, some other people where they did some of things like that. And I think that kind of just got in my head or into my game where, uh, the imitation and, uh, just, uh, kind of translated into me serving well. And I kept going with it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, like Trent said, there's a lot of advantages to uh, a quick motion. I mean, obviously it's not for everybody, but, uh, one thing is you're going to hit the ball at the apex, um, the, its highest point, so you have a less less of a chance of the serve going into the net, and then it's also disguised, um, and it's just uh, kind of a slower reaction time because it just comes at you much quicker, it seems. Um, so that's fantastic. Uh, Tret, I think you touched on it slightly, but I just want to get into, uh, at one point did you realize that, hey, I... I'm, I can definitely become a professional tennis player. Like at one point in your career, did you, did you figure that out? Yeah, I think really late actually, by the time I was, I think a junior in college, uh, I played college tennis with Somnev Devarman, who was, uh, probably the greatest college tennis player ever. If not, I mean, top three or four, he was, he won in table A's twice in singles and he and I were number one in the country in doubles our last two years in college but uh yeah he he and i played some futures uh the lower level like pro tournaments are just to get some points get some professional matches in and before we turned pro i guess the next year after we graduated and he and i did real well we won uh two or three futures and doubles and uh yeah when we were at school i guess my senior year we saw that two or three of the guys that we'd beaten in doubles were top 50 or 75 in the world in doubles then and i i don't know i remember he and i still joke that we saw that and and i was like man i can be that guy i can be a professional tennis player and play <laughs> u.s open and wimbledon and all these big tournaments and yeah i don't know if i really thought that in my mind or just clicked then but yeah I'd, i mean every kid dreams of playing all the biggest tournaments but i think then it really clicked that yeah it's definitely something that was possible and within reach and yeah I, I think i worked a lot harder my last two years of college on my game trying to get better and better uh, as a player and uh fortunately i I've, it's turned out pretty well playing uh the biggest tournaments in the world i've played djokovic murray federer i mean all all these guys so it's been a lot of fun and uh, i'm really enjoying it yeah it's it's been truly awesome to see you play those guys and um seeing some clips of you uh, being a mixed doubles partner with Serena Williams uh, in the IPTL. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, uh, I mean, fantastic stuff. But uh, I guess shifting back slightly, just wanted to talk about, or for you to tell us your experience playing at UVA, kind of what that was like. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it was the best decision I could have made. Uh, it came down to Duke or Virginia for me, and uh, I was very lucky for the perfect situation for me. It was at Virginia, and uh, at the time, I actually didn't think so. I was pretty disappointed that uh, I didn't go to go to Duke, where I really, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I thought was the best place for me. And but it didn't work out, and uh, they got some other uh, guys that I think they thought were better. But hmm. maybe that motivated me to 
to get a little bit better also. And by the time I came to college, I was, uh, I was a little better than those guys. And Virginia had uh, passed Duke kind of in the rankings. And we've, we've been re- unbelievable as a team the last uh, 10, 12 years. And they've won the national championship twice the last few years. So, uh, yeah, it's been perfect for me where I transitioned to being a pro player there. And the coaches helped me so much. And, I mean, everything. They took care of. Uh, absolutely everything for me where I got bigger and stronger and developed more of my game when I was 18 to 21 or 22 or so and uh, I couldn't have uh, had a better situation to mature and be ready for the tour uh, I think where so many people that go pro at 18 where I didn't really have that in my mind but uh, yeah I don't some people aren't ready not only physically but mentally to handle the the grind of playing a uh, ton of weeks of the year, being away from home, and uh, just, I don't know, struggling really the first year or two on the Futures and Challenger circuit. And yeah, it was good for me to go to college for four years and get that experience. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I have enormous respect for Brian Bolin and University of Virginia program. Um, you know, I actually contacted Brian for one of my articles. Uh, it's on tennisfiles.com slash character, um, and he gave me a great quote about it. And I just want to read uh, what Brian wrote to me about you, Tret, because I, I mentioned you, uh, you know, hoping I could contact him through the <laughs> connection. But um, he, you know, he, he said this about you, and I hope he doesn't mind me reading it. But he said, Tread Hugh is a great player, but as you know, he is one of the finest human beings I've ever coached, and I mean every word of that. I would say the same for him and his family. I admire and respect them more than words can say. Uh, he's one of the best team players I've ever worked with on and off the court, and it shows in the kind of player and person Tret is. I wish they would write a book on how to develop a tennis player. They get it. So, uh, you know, as you can tell from that quote, and as I could tell from the correspondences, uh, Brian Bullen definitely cares a lot about his players and the program, and he's done a, a wonderful job um, with with University of Virginia winning so many championships. Uh, it's just really sick <laughs> how well you guys have done. Um but I just uh, specifically, I was wondering, uh, what was one of your most favorite drills that Coach Boland put you through? Yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, those things like Coach Boland saying about me, obviously, is great. But uh, yeah, all of our team were still so close. I mean, uh, we still get together a bunch, and we one of our younger guys, Sanam Singh, had his wedding in Chandigarh, India, end of last year, and there were ten or twelve of us that flew from the states or Europe to. To me at the wedding and coach Bowen obviously wouldn't have missed it either he was there for for three days so it's 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 still great that we're all still so close and uh just uh we're still the virginia tennis family i mean uh, i love all these guys and we keep in touch almost every other day at least so uh yeah it's great but uh yeah when i was in college i i got a lot better i think developing points and a feel for the game where i was always a really good athlete and uh i don't know i could hit some big, uh, big serves and big forehands, but I just didn't, I didn't understand the game or didn't know how to play the play points where that put me in good position to use my strengths against my opponent's weakness, really. And I think Coach Bowen and uh, Coach Bresky, Tony Bresky, who was the assist- assistant then for us and now the head coach of Wake Forest, right? They did a great job of teaching me the game of how to how to see the game and how to see points develop, and yeah. I mean, I have. I feel like I have a really good understanding of uh, reading the game now and what's going to happen 
two shots from now or a shot from now, if I hit it here, most likely the guy's going to, uh, his tendency is to put the ball here. And I feel like I see the game really well because of that. And yeah, I, we worked a ton of not only on the court, but also watching tape, watching the video of guys to improve my strokes and also see what other people do and their tendencies so my game can translate to beat their game, which was I really liked and I still use today on the tour. I mean, it's all about kind of scouting your opponent and seeing what they do and seeing what you can do to beat them and use your strengths against their weaknesses. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I mean, I definitely love what you said about um, kind of anticipation because uh, it's so key in reading your opponent. Because, you know, if you look at these matches, like, for example, I was just looking at a, a clip of Federer this morning and, you know, he could just he could read where where his opponent was likely to hit it. Um, you know, the guy was was hitting an approach shot and Federer was on one side of the court and he he just moved like right before the guy hit it, just knowing that he would be there, uh, hit it there. And um, it's really key to be able to anticipate where your opponent is going to hit the ball. And that comes with, you know, a ton of playing and also uh, reading tendencies, like Trett said. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, huge, huge advice to the, the audience, which I really appreciate. Um, but so shifting now to the ATP tour, uh, you know, this is something that everybody is curious about and asks on forums and things like that. But what's a typical day of training like for you on the tour? Uh, yeah, it differs, obviously, if you're uh, if it's during a tournament or right. it's a week off, like training for a tournament. But yeah, this week, let's say this week I'm in Delray Beach this week and we played the quarterfinals yesterday and uh, Max Mirren and I beat uh, Chris Cuccioni and Bernard Tomic. And we have a day off today before the semifinals tomorrow. So, yeah, we'll just uh, get a nice hit from, uh, I think we're hitting 1230 to 2 today, just an hour and a half uh, practice, uh, work on a few things that we want to be ready for tomorrow and a couple of things that we want to, like, work uh, against our opponents tomorrow. And, yeah, just kind of a pretty relaxing day. Other than that, uh, we'll get some... Uh, just work on the body after that, stretch, massage, and hopefully the body will be feeling good tomorrow after we played the last two days. So, yeah, uh, it's now that I'm a little older, I guess, being 30, it's <laughs> more body maintenance and stuff like that where, I don't know, four or five years ago, if I was had a day off today, maybe I'd be out in the court practice in three or four hours. But, yeah, it's different where I don't think I need those repetitions as much anymore, especially during the tournament. But, uh, yeah, it uh, just depends. I feel like I know my game better, too, now being older. But uh, when I was younger, I feel like I was out on the court a lot more, uh, just working on certain things, trying to improve my game, really. Whereas now, I feel like I've come to the point where there's still, obviously, improvements, but it's more sharpening up what I've been able to do and uh, get better at the things that I do well. So, yeah, and just keep those things going and uh, get ready to do that tomorrow in the match. 
That's awesome, Chad. I mean, it's a great point to be at where you've got a lot of skills in the toolbox and it's a matter of sharpening up your game and continuing to, to train hard and, and treat your body right. Um, and I want you know all of you out there to just remember what Tret said about uh, the importance of, of stretching and taking care of your body. Um, it's just huge in, in determining how well you perform in the future. And um, yeah, you know, again, congrats also uh, to Tread on reaching the semis of, of Delray Beach uh, tournament this week. And yeah, I really appreciate Tread for the past week. We've been uh, messaging, you know, on and off uh, to try to get this interview to happen because, you know, he's a very busy guy, obviously traveling all over the world at tournaments. Um, and, you know, he was so kind to speak with me today, despite, um, you know, him being in, in the midst of a tournament. But yeah, Tread. Shifting to the mental game now, just want to ask you, what's the hardest part of being a professional tennis player? Um, yeah, I think coming from my situation, say playing college tennis or being one of the better juniors in the U.S. when I was growing up, I think the toughest part of transitioning to the pro tour was uh, how you handle losing. Uh, I think that's the toughest part and, and keeping your confidence. I mean, going my last, say, two years of college, I in singles and doubles both i mean i probably lost uh less than 10 times those two years and hmm. transitioning to the pro tour where when i was playing singles and doubles every week and futures and challengers the first two three years i was losing uh if i mean every single week singles and doubles unless you won the tournament which happened uh say two or three times a year maybe if not hopefully that many times but uh yeah it's it's definitely tough handling losing and being able to still have that confidence three or four days later when you start qualifying or main draw of the next future tournament, how uh, do you still have that belief and uh, confidence in yourself that, Oh yeah, this is the week. Like it's all right. Like I'm going to start over right here. Let's do well this week where uh, I feel like so many people that transition have that transition from juniors to the pros or college or the pros. It's really tough to deal with losing every single week and, still having that men mental strength and confidence to push through and believe that they are the best and they're going to be at the top of the game if they just stay with the process where uh, that's the uh, hardest part, I think, for sure. Yeah, great advice, Trent. And I guess that confidence and belief, just like I'm wondering where it comes from. Does it come from your training and, and your support team and, and, you know, knowing that you have uh, a lot of skill, obviously, in the sport? I mean, is that where it comes from for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you just got to believe, too. You have to have that real strong self-belief, I think, going into matches and not only matches but tournaments and the month or two ahead that knowing that it's a long process, you're not going to win the, the first week and uh, really get on a roll. But you could lose three, four in a row first rounds. But if you still stay with it and have that belief the fourth or fifth week uh, in a row that you're playing, I mean, you could – start find something and play well and win win a title there or final and just keep that role going where it's it's tough for people once they start losing two or three in a row it, it's just it sometimes snowballs where uh that's the toughest thing to deal with i think yeah definitely it's it's a real mental battle sometimes but um yeah. like with anything Tread, um you know, you're, you've obviously decided to specialize in doubles. Uh, I mean, you're a very capable singles player. Uh, I've seen some of your matches are for playing for the Philippines uh, Davis Cup and obviously in juniors and stuff. Um, but 
at what point did you decide to kind of just specialize in playing doubles and, and why did you do that? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I played on the tour, say, just for an example, in college when I was playing, I was, uh, I think I got to four in the country in college behind John Isner, Kevin Anderson, and Somnad Varman, who were all three, wow. uh, got to top 60 in the world, and Kevin and John are still top 15 in the world, which is, I mean, they're unbelievable players. So, yeah, it's, I didn't think I was too far behind them and game wise, but yeah, they have some serious weapons that I don't possess. So <laughs> that's tough to, tough to deal with. But yeah, I was always a pretty good singles player. I thought, but, uh, somehow I, my skill set really translated the double score where uh, I've got some quick hands and good reflexes. And, uh, I always felt like I've been, uh, one of the better athletic, uh, players on the court and, uh, that really translate to doubles where uh, I was number one in the country in doubles in college. And my first year or two on the tour playing Fusion and Challengers, I wouldn't say I was struggling in singles, but yeah, I wasn't rising the rankings uh, really quickly like some of my other peers. Whereas in doubles, I was taking a, a bunch of titles and really um, skyrocketing in the rankings in doubles. And uh, yeah, I, I thought to myself, yeah, I, I want to play the biggest tournaments in the world, which, uh, it's always been a dream. I mean, playing the U.S. Open and playing uh, the Washington, D.C. ATP, which I attended every single year, I guess, since mm-hmm. I was, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old. I thought, I uh, why not stick to doubles and play those big tournaments where maybe in singles I wouldn't reach the top 100 or 150. And doubles, I always thought I could be top 50 at least, if not higher. And uh, I've been able to do that and played all the biggest tournaments in the world and uh, the Grand Slams, so yeah, I've and really enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, looking back, maybe I, I had that confidence that yeah, I could have made it in singles, but who who really knows? Yeah, well, Trent, I personally think you you made a great decision. Again, you're a great player all around, but I mean, what Trent did is what people should be doing. You kind of just realize your strengths and then put all your efforts towards one big goal, and you know, I. I think it would have been much harder for Tret to be where he is in doubles if he tried to also spread his efforts in singles. Um, I mean, it's up for debate, but that's kind of what I think. And, and you know, by putting all his energy in doubles, uh, he's reached amazing heights. Uh, Tret, one thing that a lot of people struggle with uh, is is volleying, especially, you know, so for you at the pro level, like these guys are crushing balls like a lot of the time and you're just... Um, reading them and just going toward them uh, with no fear. And, you know, I just want to ask you, is this a product of just your your blood type, your genes, or, or just a ton of practice, or is it an everything? Like, how do you, how did you um, develop such great uh, volley skills and anticipation for, for the ball at net? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a ton of practice for sure. Uh, not that I'm not scared of the ball and scared of getting hit, but yeah, there's definitely something that takes time to to get used to with the ball coming, I mean, 100, 110, 120 miles an hour at you at the net. And, uh, I mean, I'm playing some of the best players in the world who's that, I mean, their forehands are absolutely massive. So I'm a little worried up there at the net sometimes, but you just gotta, I don't know, not really back down and give yourself a chance to reflex it and steal a point sometimes when they have a, a ball, they can really rip a forehand on. But yeah, I've developed my volleys where, uh, I feel like they're pretty good and uh, playing with 
some of the best doubles players in the world. Uh, the older guys now that are still playing, like my partner Max Mirny, I mean, they these guys have always unbelievable, and they've been uh, the way they kind of played the game the last twenty years or so. There was more volleying, so I think that helped them. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough to to volley nowadays with the technology and the string. Uh, people were able to dip the ball uh, just over the net and get it down below the net, and you have to volley up and. But it's tough. Uh, obviously, no matter what you do, you stay back. Everybody's good from the baseline. You come in, they'll hit the ball hard and kind of at you or through you. And uh, they can definitely go around you, too, with the, the way people are hitting the ball. I mean, uh, these guys at the baseline are unbelievable with Murray and Djokovic and Federer and Nadal. I mean, uh, played Nadal last year, and people talk about how his forehand just jumps off the racket and uh, is dipping like crazy. And there was a couple balls I made the first two or three four, when he had a big forehand at me at the net, hit some good volleys, and later he had one that he uh, uh, crushed and kind of came to me and dipped at the last second, <laughs> and I missed the volley, and I was like, oh, that's what people are talking about right there. <laughs> like He hit that absolutely huge, and it still had a ton of dip on it, and I was like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's, yeah, so that's the key. Dip it and rip it. Um, yeah. Sweet. Well, is it tough for you um, on the tour to switch partners so often? Because, I mean, you know, not that you switched like a ton, but I, I've seen your past partners. You you played with Dominic Inglad, which is uh, it was a great time when, when we watched you win the City Open in 2012. Uh, recently, Henry Kontinen, uh Connor Fleming at the U.S. Open when I where I watched you this past year or last year. Uh, Scott Lipsky. Um, so is it tough kind of just trying to find people to play with or is it pretty easy? Yeah, it's not too hard, I guess, finding people to play with, but it's just a matter of on the tour, you have to be able to get in to the tournaments based on your ranking. So it's your ranking plus your partner's ranking gets in depending on what the cutoff is. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's not that tough playing, I guess, with different people, but yeah, you feel it out. And I mean, the average say player in the in the u.s nowadays plays doubles and i guess i don't know people know what it's like playing with different people here and there it takes a little time to get used to but it's not terrible the first time but uh yeah it's something where if you do play with a one partner more and more you do get accustomed to the, their likes and dislikes and you play better as a team which i think always helps when you know what uh, your partner is going to do and what uh, they like to do, and they know the same as well. So yeah, it's always it's always good and helps uh, the team more and more you play together. Yeah, and uh, I mean Max is a is a beast, and uh, his I mean at thirty he's like thirty seven or thirty eight right now. Um, yeah, thirty I mean, years old. I mean he's he's an unbelievable player, and yeah, I'm still <laughs> trying to learn as much as I can from him. He's a great player, and uh, yeah, we're doing well so far this year, and hopefully keep it going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. And uh, there's a couple more questions for you, Trent. I, I don't want to keep you too long here, but um, you've you know done really great at a lot of these tournaments, especially the Grand Slams. You reached the uh, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, and you just reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in men's doubles and the semis and mixed. But what has been your greatest memory of of the tour or on tour so far? Yeah. I've played a bunch of great matches. I feel like uh, I've beaten Andy Murray before at Indian Indian Wells and got to the finals a couple of years ago at Indian Wells, which is uh, 
one of the toughest and biggest double tournaments of the year, I think, because all the big time singles players play uh, the doubles there. And so it's, yeah, that year was great. I mean, Federer played, Nadal played, Murray played, and uh, yeah, winning that match and getting to the finals that week was a great accomplishment. I think we lost a, I played with Jersey Yanowitz and he and I lost a close match with the Bryans 10, seven in the third set tiebreaker. So yeah, that was a great week and I still remember it. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite tournaments in Indian Wells. So uh, it was great to do well there. And uh, yeah, uh, playing all the biggest tournaments have been fun. And uh, when I was able to win uh, the ATP in Washington, D.C., where I grew up going to watch pretty much every year. Uh, that was really special. I think, uh, winning that tournament, uh, meant a lot to me. I, I've every now, every year now, I walk by the entrance, there's a list of former champions. And I'm like, Oh man, my name's <laughs> actually up there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's always cool to see. And yeah, uh, I joke around when little kids at tournaments are like, Oh, Hey, can I have a ball or an autograph? I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, I was that little kid that wanted a ball or an autograph. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great to see you, you know, give back to the community and, but yeah, I've I've been really lucky to see you, you know, like I said, when the city opened, I saw you up at the US Open and I, I saw you also deliver that awesome performance at Indian Wells too. Um I've got to ask this, you know, I'm mom's Filipino, so is yours, and I'm just wondering, uh kind of just talk about your memories, uh your experiences playing Davis Cup for the Philippines, what that is like. Oh yeah, it's been unbelievable playing Davis Cup and representing the Philippines. Uh, and the Asian games and Southeast Asian games have been uh, really special for me. Uh, I've been playing, I've played every Davis Cup tie except for one since 2000, uh, to the end of 2008. And yeah, we've, we've done well. We've been in group one, uh, and played Japan and Nishikori and a bunch of other great, uh, countries in Davis Cup. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, uh, representing the Philippines and, uh, it's a real honor for me. And, uh, yeah, I grew up. Uh, when I was a little older in Washington, D.C., but yeah, uh, spent a lot of time when I was young in the Philippines. And uh, yeah, my mom is Filipino and uh, representing the countries has uh, been really special. And uh, they've helped out so much where I've been able to really travel the world and play professional tennis and uh, with the support of the Philippines and the Philippine Sports Federation and uh, the Philippine Davis Cup team. And yeah, we've done we've done better in Davis Cup, and hopefully, there's younger and younger players that uh, have helped uh, come up the, in the years to come. And uh, yeah, I want to help a couple of the younger players in the Philippines raise the rankings. And yeah, it's more about getting their exposure and playing uh, more and more tournaments worldwide, and playing ITFs and playing uh, the Junior Slams. So yeah, it's it's been great for me, and I uh, really love going back to Manila and Cebu when we play Davis Cup in at the nice beach resorts in Cebu. And, uh, yeah, we've had a good time there and, uh, don't get back to the Philippines as much traveling 10 or 11 months of the year playing on the tour. But yeah, I love my time when I am there. So it's been uh, really special for me and uh, I love playing and representing the Philippines. That's awesome. Trent. Um, you know, Philippines are proud of you. Uh, your parents, Menina and Kirk are proud of you, UVA, our section and, you know, all your friends. So you've been doing great things. Um, yeah, last question for you. Um, for all the audience out there who want to improve their game, uh, what's one tip you'd give them to help them reach their potential? Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest thing where I've learned from 
uh, playing with Max Mirror this year, who's, I mean, former world number one, is uh, just a positive mindset and positive energy. I mean, there'll be days when you miss 10, 15 balls in a row, but if you have that uh, mindset of, oh, I've got the next one, I've got the next one, good things will happen. I, I think uh, it's always about the next point, no matter how the last point ended, whether you miss an easy shot or hit an unbelievable winner. Uh, just try to focus on things that are coming up and work those points and do what you can to, to win those points. Awesome, Trent. You know, thank you so much you know, for being on the show. Uh, I just want the uh, audience to know, you know where they can kind of reach you. Like, do you have social media um, accounts or anything they can follow, things like that? Yeah, I have a Twitter account that I try to update with uh, some of my fans and see what I'm doing. And yeah, I have a website as well, com, and my Twitter, TrekHuey. So yeah, it's been good to uh, gain a little following and hopefully keep the people updated on what, what I'm up to. Sweet, Trey. Well, thanks again so much for your time. I know it's very valuable. And uh, for all the great advice you've given us, um, really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to, to see you do so well. And I want you to keep continuing uh, to rise up the rankings and be the best you can be uh, in the sport. So uh, thanks so much, Trey, for being on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me. really appreciate it. Thanks, Trey. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this interview with Trent Huey, and I'm sure that you picked up a lot of awesome tips and advice from Trent. I certainly did, and I hope that you can apply those tips to your game and your training so that you can be the best tennis player that you can be. I just want you to take action and commit to improving your game. Now, if you want to learn some more ways on how to improve your game, uh, I suggest that you check out my ebook. Uh, it's free, and you can find it at tennisfiles.com slash ebook. It's called The Building Blocks of Tennis Success, and it has some tips based on my experiences and what's been taught to me throughout my 20 years of playing, dealing with nutrition, training, uh, the best way to practice, match play, and mental attitudes. So definitely check it out and download it at tennisfiles.com slash ebook. Now, I just want to leave you with this quote um, that I think is very powerful. It's a Chinese proverb, and it says, To get through the hardest journey, we need take only one step at a time, but we must keep on stepping. So I want you guys to commit to improving and just try to improve every single day, uh, even if it's by a little bit. And when you get that habit going, you're going to uh, be very successful. Uh, whether it's in tennis or in other, any other parts of your life. So I wish you guys all the best, and I really look forward to serving you guys and helping you improve your game, and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care, guys.